0: Welcome to the Grounded Catholic the podcast of Catholic Who's at the University of Virginia. I am Father Joseph Anthony Cress, and on today's episode, Corinne and I welcome Dan Laduke, one of our focus missionaries here for this academic year at the University of Virginia. And Dan talks about uh, a saint that he has a strong devotion to, uh, Blessed Stanley Rother, who was a missionary and a martyr in Guatemala, but has roots in Oklahoma. And so we have a great discussion learning more about this uh, wonderful American martyr and I believe the very first martyr uh, from the United States and have a wonderful uh, opportunity to learn about this great man and kind of start to apply some of the uh, great lessons that he's taught us through his life and his sacrifice and uh, apply them to our life right now. So, enjoy! it. All right, we're back um, a week into the semester basically. Yes, Students here at UVA uh, have been moving back into dorms and their apartments for the last week or so, and just yesterday, uh, in-person instruction began for the first time this fall semester, fall of 2020, so we are in the whole groove of everything now, as much as we can be.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hello, t kicked off. So I think people have probably like are still soaking in the goodness. That was that tortellini. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't have any. Did you I didn't get any either. Okay. Yeah.
0: They didn't Yeah, I didn't get fed. I think
1: you're allowed to. <laughs> I think the friars would the friars do that?
0: That would be oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. So what Corinne's referring to is uh we typically have a weekly uh dinner on Tuesday nights throughout the semester. Um but this year because we're not able to to do that in uh, uh I don't know prepare meals for people and whatnot we've switched to a how do you describe it
1: well it's like a meal prep kit like blue apron or hello fresh so yeah. we've called it hello tsep
0: because
1: mm-hmm. T are our weekly meal
0: bringing tsep to your own dining room too and encouraging people to eat together as an apartment or mm-hmm. um you know as a as a dorm whatever it may be and Even then off
1: the screens
0: you praying together there's some reflections and that so it's a really great uh we had the first one last night and it just was phenomenal i think we fed like 110 112 110 yeah yeah which is great so i don't know we'll see with the friars will do that next week or
1: so well, one Get of those on uh one of the recipients of the kit is with us so i wonder if he can speak into how the meal was last night dan would you like to speak into the meal
2: yeah it was like if Entertainment 720 came straight to my dinner table
1: <laughs> and
2: put on a social media conglomerate straight onto my stovetop, um, the tortellini was like being served by John Ralphio himself. Yeah. <laughs> I got a new, nick- got a new nickname for day? you. jell shot.
1: Jell-O shot. <laughs> Jello. <laughs> Oh my gosh!
0: The only thing I could have made that better is De- if debt shrimp would have been serving you the tortellini.
1: Oh my gosh!
2: Cold <laughs> hard fact, and you're like wiping your face with a bowl full of money. <laughs> what is that? Do they the the money pit or whatever? Yep. Or you go into that money room.
1: Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: wow.
0: We are big fans of Parks and Rec over here. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: You know, um, while Hello Tuesday was happening last night um yours truly and my boss well y'all are kind of my boss too uh, (laughs) we were filming um next week's hello t-stop episode so if you thought that was good buckle (laughs) up that's like
1: like the cooking demo
2: oh you better believe it yeah are
0: we allowed to say what next week is
1: Dan, would you like to introduce yeah i
0: think you should have the honor
2: yeah um I, you know, when I, when we were filming it, I thought to myself, I am getting to be the sole preparer right now of that one meal in the restaurant that gives you the most FOMO in the world. If you have not ordered that <laughs> Why? because the plate coming out and what do you hear? You hear the sizzle going on and we all know what I'm talking about. It's being that, that punk in this in the Mexican restaurant who didn't order the fajitas mm. and you mistake as the table next to you is is sizzling right next to you
1: oh i know that feeling all too well
2: oh 100 percent. so uh yeah we really get down and dirty into it and uh make some really like bougie fajitas this next
1: week <gasps> oh I'm there getting, it is i'm i'm getting that wow awesome. man is so, it wait it was you and who were filming
2: uh mary schneider my team hmm. director mm-hmm. what?
0: mary bear
1: is that
0: what we call her? No, now? I don't think I've ever called her that in my life, except for right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she's, going to just,
0: she's going to be so upset. Uh, sorry, Mary. Um, but That's good. But Dan, how about uh, you take a few seconds, um, because this is the first time you're on the podcast. Um, a lot of our students know you, recognize you. Um, they, they see the, even through Corona masks, they can see the mustache looking right back at them. Um, they can
1: smell the corn from a mile away. Yep,
0: exactly. So take a few seconds.
1: Say that again?
2: Before I formed it on my lip, they knew me. Yeah. Um, well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I am Dan LaDuke. Um, for those of you that may not have met me yet, um, I am one of the focus missionaries here that serves Catholic Who's. And my full-time job is to... Uh, facilitate relationships with Jesus Christ um, and his church that he started 2,000 years ago. Uh, I'm from Lincoln, Nebraska, and I'm a corn-born kid who loves Nebraska football and uh, pretty ridiculous. And I guess the last thing that you need to know before we, you know, get at this thing is father and I are complete enablers of each other. So who knows, direction this podcast is going to go today but uh i'm a long-time listener first-time caller and uh, i can't wait to either um have a successful podcast or you know get kicked out for eternity based on current's judgment after this whole thing oh
1: gosh oh i i actually feel like i'm on a roller coaster ride and the kind that you sit down in the seat and then there's just like this black hole that mm-hmm. it propels you into you have no idea and you just hear screams So I don't, I know that it's going to be crazy. I know any interaction with the two of you. um,
0: (laughs) All I'm going to say is if you thought the episode with Austin Farentholt was bad.
1: Was bad. It
0: was great, but it was intense. It it was crazy. Um, This might be on par with that. Um,
1: Depends on what we're drinking. Father, what are you drinking? I'm just
0: drinking coffee right now. Black coffee. Uh, Pure, pure caffeine right now.
2: I'll tell you what, I'm drinking one of my favorites. I'm drinking a mixture of Folgers and Hazelnut Wawa because I am both like a hometown Nebraska boy and a little too bougie for my own good. And I have some Irish cream like creamer in it. So it's, wow.
1: it's like, yeah. It's, Wait, it's Dan, that's very on, totally on brand. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's totally on brand for you. Like, I expect nothing less. And I'm proud of you, son.
2: I'm proud of you. Old hard fat.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, you're very proud of your Midwestern roots, and I know that that played a little bit of a part into you actually choosing what this podcast was going to be about, which is really fun. So, Father, I really feel like I'm just along for the ride. Um, And, Dan, would you like to share kind of some of those people that are close to your heart also having roots?
2: Yeah. Oh, roots. Um yeah, you know, <laughs> I love I love being from the Midwest. Um uh the middle of the Middle West, really. Like if you were to to throw a dart in mm-hmm. the middle of the United States, it would land um just south of Nebraska. Um, but I also love uh discovering up and coming saints. Um I have three nephews that are named after three of our up and coming saints in the church. Um we have Giorgio Frasati yeah. and then the ones that we're talking about today is Blessed Solanus Casey, who did uh, the majority of, of his great work in Detroit, in the Motor City. Um, and then the other one that I want to talk about today is from Oklahoma. His name is Blessed Stanley Rother. So both Blessed Solanus Casey and Blessed Stanley Rother, um, both of them were beatified within the last five years, and uh, both of them have had um, international implications from their yes that they've given to mission.
1: Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought them up because actually like you've shared a lot not, not just like with me but with like the students. I know blessed Stanley Rother especially has had a deep impact in your life and it's hard to have a, a deeper conversation without you referencing something from him cuz it's it's clear that you love him a lot. And so you Yeah. Feel it.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I studied in seminary for a little over four years. And um, i say about halfway through my studies, I, I started to get to know Blessed Stanley Rother. Um, I was doing a lot of uh, Latino and Hispanic ministry while I was in college seminary. And I saw a picture of him. And I asked a priest who that guy was, and he started to tell me his story. And I started to read his biography. So a little plug. Um, I have biography recommendations for both saints. Um, The one about Blessed Stanley Rother is called uh, The Shepherd Who Did Not Run. Hmm. And then the one, uh, Blessed Solanus Casey, is just his name. It's called Father Solanus Casey by Catherine O'Dell. Um, And so as I got to know Blessed Stanley Rother, uh, I was learning that um, he grew up in, in Oak Archie, uh, Oklahoma, which is a tiny little city made up of three names made up of, uh, the name for Oak comes from Oklahoma city. And then Arch and Chi comes from the Arapaho tribe and the Cherokee tribe, um, which are the the two prevailing tribes on that side of Oklahoma. Um, so pretty crazy stuff. Uh, but as I got to know him, I, I learned, um, he is a martyr and he was a missionary priest from Oklahoma, just a diocesan priest from from the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City, who um, got called onto mission by his bishop to go to Guatemala and eventually died as a martyr there. Wow! So
0: he was. How long was he? Um, I mean, was he a pastor? Was he? Uh, what was his priesthood like before he went on mission?
2: Yeah, well in the words of Toby Flunderson, I'd say, you know, I'd start at the beginning, but I feel like I have to go back further. Yeah. Um he, <laughs> he uh he had a horrible horrible time academically in mm-hmm. seminary. Um in fact, he he failed out of his first two seminaries that that he tried to go to and eventually um he was able to graduate and and be ordained a priest uh, after um a long journey and he was really only a priest for About three or four years before um, his bishop came and and called uh, all of the priests in their diocese to start discerning and praying about, um, like, fulfilling the Great Commission, like, in the missionary presence as missionary priests in Central America. And the area that um, the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City um, started to pray about was uh, this small little village community in Guatemala um, around this lake called Lake Atitlan, and Lake Atitlan, uh, National Geographic, just voted it uh, a few years ago as the second most beautiful lake in the whole wide world,
1: Whoa! and
2: uh, yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Oh, it, it's so gorgeous. It looks like, it looks like Moana's fantasy land. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, there's like volcanoes on it, Yeah. Uh, and volcanoes are just like filled with all, all the slush greenery, but Nonetheless, um, their town that they were in was named after St. James the Apostle. So it was called Santiago de Atitlan. And uh, so after three or four years in the priesthood, the bishop came to Stanley and was like, hey, Father Stan, um, yeah, would you please, out of obedience, pray about becoming a missionary priest in Guatemala? And uh, I like to imagine Stanley saying something along the lines of, well, shoot, I'll try anything once. Um, but the crazy <laughs> part... The cool part about him, though, is that the reason he struggled so much in seminary was this was pre-Vatican, II, And a lot of his classes were using Latin textbooks. Right. And so all of his philosophy classes were in Latin. And the, the dude just couldn't learn the language. Yeah. What? And I totally sympathize with him because I really struggle with Latin myself. I didn't really love it um, when I was uh, studying it in seminary. And so he, he, couldn't learn, he couldn't learn Latin, and he couldn't learn Greek. Um, but out of his missionary heart, he said he'll go off and go to Guatemala yeah. without knowing a lick of Spanish. That reminds me a mm-hmm. lot of uh, St. Joseph of
0: Cupertino, and he was the same way. He couldn't learn Latin to, to save his life, and yet he was needing to know Latin to save other souls. You know, and so, like, there was that uh, tension where he was working through and um, he totally abandoned himself and entrusted himself to God in his seminary studies. And for some reason, he passed all of his exams perfectly fine with no problem whatsoever. And I remember visiting um, his shrine in Italy and seeing all of these report cards and tests, like, kind of nailed to his room. In, in the priory, and people have always been praying to him for their own studies to help him or to help them with their their academic work, and then as like as a thank you, they send their report cards, they send their exams, and they <laughs> leave it at his yeah. cell because it was it's such a same uh, similar story where um, that kind of level of like abandonment to God, even though you know your natural abilities can't um, th- don't suffice. Like, of your own natural powers, you don't have the talent that maybe other people do. And that kind of just abandoning yourself to God, saying, like, if this is your will, you make it happen. And the perseverance that it takes. I mean, those are gifts of the Holy Spirit that when you start to see it in, in somebody that that is kind of, um, you know, young and in the early days of their vocation, that it, it is striking to see that kind of stuff. Um, but it's, it's also an encouragement that like the Lord works in mysterious ways in their times that like maybe we aren't the, uh, the most naturally talented uh, for what God is asking of us, but that doesn't mean he's not going to continue to work, continue to manifest, even through our weaknesses.
1: Mm.
2: That's exactly right. And the, the craziest thing... For me, about where where he was at um, with his Spanish was when I went to Guatemala to go visit his museum and the the place where he was martyred. They had his Spanish textbooks, and it said Spanish Level One Primer for Beginners. This dude hops into a random country without knowing a lick of Spanish. Absolutely crazy. But the one thing that he did have was a massive zeal for souls, yeah, yeah. and in fact. After his um second time of, of failing a semester of seminary, there are are like firsthand reports that he went um to his bishop uh to to the chancery with tears in his eyes and apologized to him profusely. Didn't beg him to to you know get him back into seminary, but rather apologized him to him profusely because he felt like he screwed everything up and he missed his vocation. He missed his shot. Wow. But the bishop saw deep within Stan's heart, um, this man has a zeal for souls. This man loves Jesus Christ. So the only reason that Stanley ever got to go out and be a missionary priest was because this bishop recognized Stanley's great zeal for souls um, and Stanley's great dedication to the Lord that he will try anything, he will do anything. And so eventually the way that Stanley was able to pass through seminary was um, his bishop called one of his old buddies who um, became the rector at the seminary at Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, Maryland, and said, I have a guy here who has more zeal than any (laughs) seminarian I've seen in the last few years, but he's struggling academically. Can you help him out? Yeah. And the rector did him a solid, found Stanley plenty of intensive tutoring to, to get him to be able to pass all of his tests. And become this heroic man. That's awesome. That mm-hmm. is so awesome. Now you've mentioned a
0: little bit about um, both his zeal for souls, his you know heart heart for the Lord Himself, and how that is um, kind of translated in a heart for others and for his neighbor, which drove him to a foreign nation. Uh, you know where it, there's so many kind of natural barriers to. The building, and the relationships, and kind of loving your neighbor in that sense. But he he was martyred. You know, we we've, we've kind of mentioned that uh, in passing. But can you tell a little bit about the like circumstances and um, his own martyrdom?
2: You better believe it. So um, in in Guatemala, ever since I think the the fifties or the sixties, there there started about a 50 year civil war Mm -hmm. that really um, you can feel the tension today. Um, And so when he got there, they're in the midst of the civil war Uh, there, there's, there's a ton of race racial tension and a ton of political uh, uh, tension between um, the, the government, which is ruled a lot by like people of descent from Spain uh, and then a lot of tension between like native Guatemalans and then very native Mayan people that they call the indígenas, the indigenous people. And so um, there, there's evidence now that there, there was even genocide going on. They were trying to, to remove a lot of the, the cultural traditions in Guatemala, uh, make this more of a nation that it started as, which was a colonization of, of Spain. Um, and throughout that, there was, there was guerrilla warfare going on uh, um, throughout the country. And so when Stan got there, he was, uh, stationed at the the town of Santiago, which was majority indigenous people, the people that, um, are the most destitute in the nation who uh, were, were very much, uh, discriminated against by the government. And so in the midst of all of this, um, a lot of, of these people who grew up Mayan, uh, the, the descent of these Mayan people, it's called uh, Sutuhil. It's a really fun word. Hmm. Uh, and they even have their own language, the, the Sutuhil language. Um, and so while he was there, a lot of his young men would get plucked off one by one uh, by a lot of the older members in, in kind of this this uh, more, more gang or mobster mentality of, hey, come and join us, we will protect you, become one of our guerrilla soldiers. Mm. And he saw a lot of young kids be taken advantage of in that way. And so when Stan was uh, up at the pulpit, he was very, very brave, would not shy away from preaching about political issues. Um, he really wanted to protect uh, the, the Mayan culture and the, the people that he was around. And in fact, he would come back to the United States And he would protest and write letters to um, Congress talking about uh, basically our interference in the United States with the people there and and what we're supporting, things like that within the government. And within that, he, um, while protecting his people, he got a really, really bad reputation uh, during this very corrupt government. And so he eventually uh, was told by a lot of the people there, hey, Stan, your name is on a hit list your name is like on this hit list of 20 or 30 folks. And we're starting to see these people uh, in English. It'd, it'd be the, the disappeared, the list of the disappeared. And you started seeing people yeah. away, uh, one by one. Um, now, Guatemala, even till today, they do not have public mail system because there's, there's corruption within the country. And so it took uh, a long while for this news to get back to his bishop. Eventually, his, the, this news got back and the, the bishop sent for Stan to, to come home um, to protect him because he realized his life was in danger. And while Stan was back in the United States, he, he went around the parishes in his diocese for a while, uh, preached to them about the current situation, tried to fundraise more money to start more catechesis programs, fund his uh, radio station that he started like Max Colby did, um, and all of these different things. All the best uh, are a radio lot- stations.
1: That's amazing. <laughs>
2: In fact, a lot of the, the people at the parishes that he would um, preach to, a lot of the people would tell him after Mass, Stan, we think this is horrible what you're doing. Quit getting in the way of all of this government tension. Quit putting your life in danger. But Stan didn't feel that way. And in fact, uh, the Archbishop and him, they had a long conversation about whether or not he should return. And so before Stan made up his mind, he went back out to Mount St. Mary's, the place where his vocation uh, was fully established and where he got to be ordained, and at that moment with his old spiritual director, he realized, you know what, a shepherd cannot run at the first sign of danger. Yeah. A shepherd cannot abandon his sheep, and that became his battle cry. He went back to his archbishop and he told his archbishop, "I have to go back. I cannot abandon my sheep." And so we have a firsthand account from from his historian that. He went home days before he goes back to Guatemala. He's sitting out uh, on his pasture land. His family um, are big farmers, even until today, uh, Mm -hmm. right around the Tulsa area in Archie, Kansas. And he's sitting out there with his dad. His dad's name is Fritz, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a Midwest farmer name right there, if I've ever heard one. Fritz the farmer. (laughs) Him and his dad are looking out over his pasture, and he says, dad, I'm not coming back here, but you and I both know that. And he says, dad, they're going to come for me. And when they come for me, they're going to try to kidnap me because if they get me, there'll be a lot of power there uh, for them to, to basically have this powerful hostage. But they are not going to allow me to or they're not going to get me to leave this rectory. I'm not going down without a fight. And so later on, after his martyrdom, one of the priests has to go back to the Rother farm and tell his parents that, that he's died. A priest knocks on the door. Fritz answers the door. And before the priest can regrettably open his mouth to tell him about his son's death, Fritz just says in the most Oklahoman accent possible, they didn't get him out of the rectory, did they? Mm-hmm. And the priest was, shook. he said, how did you know that? He said, because my son was not going down without a fight. Wow. Absolutely incredible. Basically, fast forward to you know his, his martyrdom um these these uh soldiers came for him in the dark and uh they they tried to to kidnap him just like he predicted and stanley had a uh, a few nuns with him and then a few catechists with him at the time and he told them go upstairs lock your door and hide do not try to defend me and uh as the the assassins came in they heard a bunch of rumbling go on in the room um, and they heard Stan shouting at them, "No, no, you will kill me here, no!" Um, and when they, yeah, basically they heard all this rumbling. They heard two loud gunshots, and then uh, basically they they heard the two assassins go and and flee off into the distance. They come into the room. They see Stan dead, assassined in the corner of the room, but his knuckles are bloody and mangled because Stan did not go down without a fight. Yeah. Wow. He was not allowed to be uh, kidnapped. Because he knew that if he was kidnapped, his people, his parishioners would come after them. Yeah. And in the eyes of these uh, guerrilla soldiers, these, these parishioners were insignificant. They could just kill them off one by one as they tried to save their pastor. Mm-hmm. So Stan's final act of martyrdom was one in which he could heroically die and, and not uh, basically um, spare any other lives. Uh, or any other or loss of life, you know yeah nobody else had to have their lives lost over him, and it just reminded me of um you know in Jesus' last days you know in his his final uh prayers to the Father at the last supper you know father i you you gave me all of these sheep, and I did not lose one of them
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow, Dan, you're an excellent storyteller
2: <laughs> oh thank you
1: very gross <laughs> you know That's we
2: don't a- got golf out there in Nebraska or any of those fun things, we just tell a lot of stories and play a lot of games.
1: So. <laughs>
2: There it's amazing. I
0: love the communion of saints. I love this kind of patrimony that we have as a gift of these men and women um that are truly heroic, um, but have roots in our hometowns and you know, lives live very ordinary lives that are um just so accessible. And that that's what I find is like just extremely accessible. But you also see like beautiful um consistencies throughout all the saints and as you were telling the story of blessed stanley i just kept hearing um just uh echoes if you will of um blessed Yerzy Popiuszko from poland and who was also martyred in the 20th century he was martyred in the 1980s uh, in poland during the solidarity movement there but he fought for the dignity of people as well Like, it was the same thing. Like, you're finding that where human dignity is um, jeopardized where human dignity is uh, being damaged and taken away when um, it's very common to see Catholic priests in in the Catholic faith step up to defend that. And to such a sense that they're given a life. and, And it's the same thing. Blessed years. He was put on a hit list and he was assassinated and you know taken taken out of and it's it's a similar story but like what you always find is that um that only solidifies and strengthens the faith of the people that were entrusted to this individual you know blessed stanley like it's those people who he gave his life for who he went down fighting for knowing that if he got captured their lives we're going to be taken with no regard at all. So he gave himself in that sense. That made them that gave them courage, that that uh, strengthened their own faith and resolve to um to be closer to the Lord in that. So like it's it's funny cuz they're different um you know, different parts of the world, but yet it's the same kind of core fight uh that we find that's very very common.
1: And I I Absolutely. just think like what would the people have felt to be, like, to be the recipient of that kind of, like, selfless act of love? Like, how cared for they must have felt by their pastor? And, you know, like, his his example, his witness lives on in that community. And, like, here we are telling that story. And, and yeah, like, Blessed Yearzy, too, you know, the Polish people knowing that there's somebody who loved them so much that they like laid down their life. And then, I mean, but essentially like they become Christ for their people. Like they are such beautiful examples. Like it makes sense that they're the priests laying down their lives because they are in the person of Christ who he, like we, all of us are the recipients of that kind of act. And um, I think it's easy to feel far removed from it because it happened so long ago. And, you know, like,
0: but it wasn't that long ago. that's the other thing that is like i, I always want to talk about Two thousand
1: years is kind of long well
0: I, oh, you men Jesus yeah. is a long time oh my gosh, sorry <laughs> like, uh, that, was, like, nah, that was like that was during our lifetime, but you no, know, no, no. I mean, like I know blessed years he was uh was assassinated in the eighties, but like we know people who know these men and women, yeah, like that's you know, what I do. love about um twentieth century saints and I love so much, Dan, that you were like. I want to talk about American saints, and like how I think as Americans we just have this kind of world view that um, we are a quote unquote new country, you know, where this melting pot that has taken the best for, uh, from all over the world, and then like we're just ultimately de facto the best at everything. And it's like, come on, man, but like we we have this weird identity as Americans, that um, that doesn't necessarily take ownership of um, of things that are very, very established before our country. And one of those things is the faith. And you look at uh, Poland, you look at France and Italy, and they have so many saints that are part of their culture, part of their patrimony and their heritage that um, we don't have in this country. So I think that often we don't we don't expect there to be sanctity in America because we weren't this kind of very identifiably Catholic nation. So, to like pick up on that, no, there are American saints and they're very recent saints. Like, sanctity, holiness is attainable in this country at this time is something that's really important to talk about.
2: Absolutely. And yeah, Corinne, you should show Father that picture of, of his clothing there. Like, these are clothes that my that I found in my grandpa's attic. So what I grand <laughs> and father was a, a picture from from Stanley's museum. And, and it's his personal belongings that that basically were left in Guatemala and, and made into, you know, the museum. Uh, and it's it's a plaid button down farmer shirt, and then a, a blue baseball cap, that's a seed seed co op cap that you can find. I mean, shoot, even you know, you father growing up in, uh Ohio like oh, yeah. you, you uh, can you see co-ops and things like that um <laughs> there's a, a button down polo there as well and uh you know you go to some rural parish i don't know maybe 45 minutes from here in charlottesville mm-hmm. and you're still going to find um you know southern virginia men dressing like that and it's like we at some point have to quit believing that that this saint is unattainable because he lived a different life than me it was a different time than me Mm -hmm. um you know when i was reading about max colby the only reason he ever got educated was because um he impressed his pharmacist that his mom would send him off on errands to go pick up the meds that his, his mom was to pick up and he would say his latin pronunciations of these meds so well the pharmacist would ask him how do you how do you know that word he's like oh well you know me and my brother we study it and he's like, you go to school. He's like, oh, well, no, I actually don't. Well, the pharmacist was so impressed that the neighbor pharmacist decided to privately educate him on his own. Yeah, You know, when you see Stanley Rother, um, there is still Rother Farms. You can still go and see their farm today because this guy, he was martyred in 1981. Like, it is so easy for us to, to comfortably separate ourselves in, in the 2000s from saints that that lived not so long ago, yeah. You know, um, Stanley would would still probably be alive today if he were to, you know, die of old age. That Just that was me. actually
0: a huge turning moment in my life. Um, I remember being a high school kid, um, and I credit Padre Pio a lot with my my faith. The reason that I um, started kind of taking the faith seriously. Um, because I heard all these crazy stories about him, you know, mm-hmm. homeboy had the stigmata, he was like bilocating, reading souls, um, I mean, just ridiculous stuff, and I just kind of chalked it up to like, kind of stat- Catholic storytelling, like, hagiography. Hey, like, oh yeah, of course, that stuff happened back in the 1200s, because you couldn't verify any of that, it's just people telling ridiculous stories, and all you had to do is take their word for it, and people <laughs> are gullible, and it doesn't matter, right? you never never let the truth get in the way of a good story exactly (laughs) exactly so i'm sitting in the back of like while somebody's telling me about padre pio and this like youth retreat or something and i'm just like whatever whatever and they're like and he died in 1968 and i was like wait what (laughs) like my parents were born before that like this guy lived at the same time as my parents did and what it revealed to me was that like god continues to love his people Like god is not distant he is not um he continues to work great miracles he continues to inspire phenomenal men and women to uh heights of holiness and heroic life um, to this very day and all i all you need is like one example of that to encourage you that the reality that God still loves his people even to the present day. And if he's willing to do that stuff, you know, consistently from the 800s to the 1200s to the 1960s, because goodness, the 60s were ridiculous. But if he's willing to do that, then like, what can he do today? There's really nothing he can't do. And if, if we avail ourselves and place ourselves and trust ourselves to his, uh, his hands and in his heart, Then um, there's nothing that is unattainable, including holiness and sanctity,
2: just around the corner, at the corner, let's say. (laughs) Absolutely, you know, and uh, I, I want to make kind of a a bold, opinionated statement, and that's that when even if someone is a is a is a U.S. born citizen if most of their life or the, the, the big moments of their life happen abroad in a different country, I think we kind of still get in that time machine setting of like, well, that's different. That happened out there. Yeah. There's a distance uh, there. Absolutely. And that distance is so comfortable. You know, last night, um, I was gathered with, uh, one of our third years, Will, who leads, um, one of our second year studies. And he asked an amazing question. Um, Yes, an amazing question to the guys. Uh, when is it easier for you? When is it easiest for you to have faith? Um, and, and most of the guys talked about, well, it's, it's when I consider like my plans 10, 15 years from now. And we all talked about the fact that putting a bunch of distance between, between you and the Lord, like present day and, and just like a, a big stretch of history, it makes it so much easier for you to say, yeah, I have faith right? Because um, when we look at these moments that, that affect us this week, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely terrifying to think, what if the Lord called you um, to, to interrupt your plans this week, right? Mm-hmm. It, uh, your, your culture of busy, these, these moments this week, what if, he, what if he called you to interrupt that? I'm okay with the idea of like the Lord might call me to do something crazy i don't know say become a missionary or become a priest or something as long as it's 15 years from now but if it's tomorrow holy moses i don't know if i'm gonna have faith then
1: right yeah i i was also thinking father when you were talking about um padre pio i think it's very easy to become a little fixated on the big works like the the stigmata like you know levitating during prayer reading souls and thinking that holiness is attributed to some grand external you know like the miracles and like the flashy things and what i love about father stanley is he was so ordinary and dan you were touching upon this just like that picture that you sent of his clothes like these are normal clothes i probably own a flannel very similar to that you know like (laughs) actually i
0: (laughs) want to own that flannel and i just exchange (laughs) one uh, oh, man. My, uh, my novice master always said if, if you guys started uh, levitating in prayer in the chapel, then at least dust the light fixtures. Oh That's the gosh. least you could do.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. I want to, I want to share uh, a couple more tidbits about um, Blessed Stanley Rother, and then I'd love to transition over to Solanus Casey, a man who spent his whole life on American soil and went straight you know spent most of his time in the midwest does that sound okay?
1: absolutely dan go for, go for it. it
2: um okay so so uh uh first big thing that i think is massive is stanley had this zeal for souls the seal for souls that allowed him to um say yes to a perseverant heart in seminary to keep going uh he was in seminary in texas failed got kicked out um went back to seminary again uh failed um, went to summer school seminary, which just sounds like <sighs> the most homeschooled I can think of. Okay. Um, in the middle of nowhere, uh, uh, Missouri, in Conception, Missouri. Um, did did a few, like, basically reform classes in Latin there. And then his fourth seminary was the charm in, in Maryland, right? At, at Mount St. Mary's. Um, to the Mount, as they say. And while he went through all of that trouble he finally got to be ordained a priest. He said yes to the Lord and he got to start serving um souls. While he started his first assignment, it turns out he did a pretty poor job at logistics. He was not a very good um like pastoral minded type of guy when it comes to like the finances and taking care of the day-to-day stuff. He he probably would have been better suited in like a Franciscan community where a lot of that stuff is taken care of by a couple people, right? Mm. Uh, but nonetheless, this is where the Lord called him. So it wasn't like his first three or four years of the priesthood was stellar. It it had its struggles. Mm -hmm. And then when he gave this big yes to um, becoming a missionary priest in Guatemala, he hopped in his Ford Bronco and drove from Oklahoma through Mexico along the Pan-American highway through all of this mountain land to get to Lake Atitlan, to Santiago de Atipan. Oh, wow. He gets there and he's like, all right, I'm ready to learn Spanish. And they're like, yo, joke's on you. We don't even really speak Spanish here. We speak a Mayan dialect that's not really written down anywhere called Sutu I I can tell you it, it would take me probably four or five years to to become conversational in Sutu Gil. It's it's a it's a beautiful Mayan dialect, but it's not written anywhere. So he gets down there. He first learns Spanish so he can celebrate Mass in Spanish. His Masses would take uh, upwards of an hour and a half because of how difficult it was for him to read the language.
1: Oh my gosh. Um, after
2: some time, he finally becomes more and more conversational in it. And then after that, Stan the man becomes conversational in Sutu Heal. It's incredible. Not only that, but he's like, you know what? Um, I'm not going to be here for forever. Actually, I'm kind of uh, making making some ripples here, causing some rifts, as we would say in Nebraska, making waves where there is no ocean. Um, I better, like, leave some type of way for these people to stay catechized. And so he translates the New Testament into Sutu Heel. That's amazing.
1: What? It's
2: insane. So this man, at no point does Stan ever use the term, if only. Right. How often throughout the week do we uh, think of big dreamy ideas and we say, you know, like, if only the rec center wasn't sort of shut down or weird or whatever, I would lose 10 pounds, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, if only it didn't rain 10 days ago, I'd go on a run today, you know, (laughs) there's all of these if if only's right, you know, if if only this thing didn't happen, um, I would go and I'd evangelize this whole dorm or something. Stan never had an if-only moment. He only had yeses to give to the Lord. Dude,
0: that is such a good point. Um, I think a lot of times we wait for the external circumstances to change to to prepare us and to set us up for success. But um, the reality is success is nothing except um, embracing the cross. And, you know, that's, that's just the, the constant yes to wherever you are placed and whatever the Lord... You know, uh, places you in, in his own providence and guidance, and to live with charity wherever that may be. I just like as you were describing all of that, I am just picturing this guy um, sitting on the back of his Ford Bronco, like underneath the stars uh, in the mountains, just like translating the New Testament. And like I'm like that. That's that's an image of the saint like that I I love, and yeah. I want to imitate that. But that, that that entire concept of there are no, well, if only, well, once this changes, once we get this, like, locked down, once we get this thing in a better um, situation, then we'll make the next step. It was just kind of like, no, right here, right now. And I think that was what kind of you were saying earlier, Corinne, is just like that ordinary. He always looked at what was in front of him. And mm-hmm. the... There's expectations for the huge moments, those great big, you know, moments of life um, that we see in some saints like Padre Pio and whatnot, that doesn't come out of nowhere. It wasn't like that's built upon small, ordinary yeses in the growth of faith and charity on a daily basis. There's a lot of years of consistent, multiple daily yeses. That build up to those uh, grand gestures. Well,
2: that's a cold hard fact, and you know it. it reminds me of uh, that book that you shared with us um, on the consecration of Mary, the uh, one with the foreword by Matt Frad. Right. Um, shout out! Shout out term. to
0: Matt Frad and Father Gregory Pine. Uh, their new book on the consecration of consecration to Mary with Saint Thomas Aquinas. You can find it on Amazon.
2: Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Wherever you get your
0: books. Yeah, wherever you get your um, books. There's also an audiobook. I think, on Audible. <laughs> we're looking for sponsors, yeah. just saying.
2: Oh, my gosh. Um, this term consecrated, though, uh, Matt frad has this amazing forward in there, and he talks all about, like, I don't want to just, like, do the thing so I can buy the chain or say that I consecrated myself. I want to know what this means. And what he really breaks it down to is consecrated It's just this word that that um, yeah, it means blessed, and it also means to like set yourself apart, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I was I was talking to the guys last night about our altar uh, at St. Thomas Aquinas. Right now, I'm like, guys, I don't want to scandalize you, but uh, I'm going to call that altar just a table right now. We're using it as an altar, but like um, in a couple weeks here, it will be consecrated, and it can never be common table. Ever again. It will forever be set apart to be altar, to be a place of sacrifice, right? And uh, you know, talking about these common things, my takeaway from Stan the Man, you know, now that I'm out of seminary, uh and I don't feel uh that the Lord's calling me in that direction, I'm like, What can I learn from him? Well it's stan used common tools, common things of my life, of my language, of my world, and he consecrated them, right? right? Like he set these, these common practices um, apart to be blessed by the Lord. You can go in the Diocese of Allentown to a museum, uh, Padre Pio, of a bunch of his personal effects. And there's a replica of his Fiat that he would drive around. Well, somewhere in the middle of the forest in Guatemala is a rusting Ford Bronco. Yeah. That was used like, this tool, this common tool uh, that got Stan going on mission.
1: Which I think awesome.
2: is absolutely.
1: Amazing. That's so beautiful.
0: Um, I think we're we're going to actually wrap it up right now. Um, we're going to bring you back though, so that we can have another shot and let's talk about Blessed Solanus Casey, uh, the the saint of Detroit and uh, his amazing life. But we we really like um, and appreciate the time that you have for us and and kind of also that that passion you have for uh, Blessed Stanley um, because it's 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 important and it's it helps all of us so dan thanks for for joining us and and kind of also bringing stan the man with you because i think we can definitely say you did that uh for the last few minutes here
1: mm-hmm. yeah let's do a yeah. regular story time with dan
2: <laughs> that that, that could be dangerous but oh here for i it. know it
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sweet well Blessed Stanley Rother. Pray, Pray for, for us.
0: us. Great. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Grounded Catholic. It's a joy to have you with us, so hopefully, you enjoyed it. Uh, thank you to Dan for joining us. Thank you for his generosity and um, just joy in being a missionary and how much he's given himself in a, a truly missionary spirit uh, in imitation of Fa- Father Stanley Rother. Uh, to this university, to our student body, and to everybody here in Charlottesville. So thank you, Dan, for all of that, and thank you for being with us and kind of bringing the spirit of Father Stanley Rother to us, uh, both on this episode as well as here in Charlottesville. As always, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcast and Spotify, as well as our website, catholichwhos.org slash podcast. Once again, that's catholichwhos.org slash podcast please like, subscribe, share this episode with those that you think would enjoy it. Um, If you could also, as we uh, get going on this semester, if you could take a few moments and say a few prayers for our student body, we'd always appreciate it. Uh, And God bless you.